Well, today we are beginning a brand new series, and it's a series walking through the miracles of Elisha. Elijah is very much like a Jesus in the Old Testament, and I just wanted to take time this month to explore some of my favorite, but with the whole point of really showcasing what greater ridiculous faith looks like. So let's pray and we'll dive right in. Father, we just thank you for your goodness and thank you for your love this morning the sweetness of pausing and just receiving from you here today. May we never take for granted that we can enter your house, be in your manifest presence, and in this corporate time of worship, have a greater outpouring of your love and your anointing and your power in our lives. Now, as we we hear of our, our people working to translate your word all across the world, what a privilege we have now in our own language, in whatever translation we'd want, to open up the word of God freely, and to receive a word from you. So may you, spirit of truth and wisdom, speak to our hearts this morning, challenge us, encourage us, and go before us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Well, we weren't always a basketball family. Uh, when Gabriel was about 8, 9, 10 years old, he was actually on an inline roller hockey league. And we were in San Diego at the time, and the weather's always perfect. And so Uh, They had an outdoor roller rink and then a skate park and a playground and baseball fields, this massive park that we went to uh, every week. And one day before Gabriel's game, as multiple games are going on and these little kids are rolling and falling and slamming all over the place, he's uh, fully dressed in his hockey gear. And he says, Dad, can I go with my friends to the skate park? And I said, no, because you're dressed from head to toe with hockey gear, which if you've ever seen it, they have a pad for every part of their body. And I said, if you go to that skate park fully dressed in your hockey gear, you're going to go with the bravery that you should not have, meaning you're probably going to break something, okay? So no. But wouldn't you know it, as I turned my back and got distracted with friends, my son and his friends against my will ended up going to the skate park. And wouldn't you just know it, he broke his arm. (laughs) So he comes around after taking a spill, and uh, he's holding his wrist. And I said, did you go to the skate park? He's like, yeah, I'm sorry. said, what's wrong with your wrist? Oh, nothing. I just fell. I'm, I'm fine. No, he had broken it. We didn't know it. He played the whole game on that broken wrist. The next day, I noticed he, he was holding it before school, and I said, okay. So I took him to the doctor, and of course, he had a hairline fracture on his growth plate, and they put him in a cast, and he's like, oh, man, how long do I have to be in this? For four weeks, oh, that means no hockey, no jumping on grandma's trampoline in the backyard, no going outside playing with friends or skateboarding or riding bikes. He's a homeschool kid at this time, and now we just took away all the joy in his life. So for four weeks, we're trying to make the best of it, and he said from his heart, well, at least I still have my PlayStation. I may have a cast, but my thumbs are free, and at least I can put my headphones on and talk with my friends and play some video games. And so we went back uh, after four weeks. We're excited to get this cast off. And the doctor x-rays it again. And he says, oh, wait a minute. We didn't notice that there's actually a fracture in the thumb right here. That's where the blood flow is. That's pretty serious. They end up cutting that cast off, putting a new cast on that covered his thumb completely, (laughs) meaning no more PlayStation. (laughs) So here he is with now he doesn't have video games. And he's got another four weeks of doing nothing. This kid was going bonkers. So we said, so what happens now? Well, after four weeks of having the thumb cast on, you'll come back to the doctors. We'll look. If it's healed, we'll take it off. You're good to go. If it's not tender to the touch, that kind of stuff. Awesome. But if it's not, well, then we're going to have to put another four weeks onto that time. 
Oh, so it was week four, and my kid turned into a faith healer, okay? <laughs> the whole week, he said, in the name of Jesus, thank you that by your stripes I am healed. Thank you, Father, that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Thank you that you are for me, not against me. And as I go into that doctor, he was all week, all week. And me and my wife were like, okay, Gabe, but if you do have it another four weeks, we'll get creative. He says, get behind me, Satan. I will confess only truth, and the truth shall make me free. And he's confessing. I was so proud of him because it showed me he gets it on a heart level. As funny as it was, he gets it. And so that Sunday night, the night before we're to go to his appointment to see if he gets his cast off or not, you know what this kid does? Now, old school video games like Nintendo and Atari back in the 80s, if your video game wasn't working, you pull the cartridge out and you do that thing and put it back in, right? Well, everything's digital nowadays, so you have to have your video games purchased online, and you have to do updates. So if there's an update on your game, you have to wait for that update to be complete before you can play the game. Sometimes those updates can be 15 gigabytes and go for two hours. So this kid on a Sunday night, tomorrow, by the blood of Jesus, I'm healed. He updated all of his games so that when he was healed, he'd be ready to play with no hesitation. And sure enough, you know, praise God, we went to that doctor's office. He was fine, got it off, and freedom was brought back to him. But I loved, even in a comical way, the ridiculous faith that my son showed us. I said, amen. I'm so glad he had that moment, and we as a family had that moment to see if we can believe and ask in his name, he will bless us with what we ask for. And so today, a brand new series called Ridiculous Faith, The Miracles of Elijah. And I want to start with a message on splitting seas. Splitting seas. In, in the chapter we're going to read today, we're going to see how Elijah and Elisha both split the Jordan River. Splitting seas. Basically, we serve a God who makes a way where there is no way. We serve a God that when there's a murderous army behind us and a sea before us, he can part them and make a way where there is no way. And the purpose of this series really is to grow our faith, but more importantly, to heighten our expectation of this awesome, powerful, big God that we serve. That even in the moments where things don't make sense, he can turn it around. My God can make a way where there is no way. So if you have your Bibles, let's go right to the story. It's found in 2 Kings chapter 2. We're going to begin in verse 1 and read 14 chap- or chapters. It'd be here a long time if we read 14 chapters. 14 verses. The story of the mantle passing from Elijah to Elisha. And in that powerful sermon that Pastor Randy preached yesterday, uh, he was talking about the mantle in his own home where Pastor Phil has gone on to glory, but they've experienced in their household this mantle that has been passed and this heightened boldness that has come upon in their family. And so after he was done preaching, I'm like, you know what I'm talking about tomorrow, right? Second Kings 2, the passing of the mantle. So I love the themes that God is bringing to our church and how we see things in, in unity moving forward as, as we go after him. But again, 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 1. And it came to pass when the Lord was about to take Elijah by a whirlwind to heaven that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elijah said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now we're going to see this theme being repeated a couple times here. Verse 3. Then the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came to Elijah and said to him, 
do you not know that the Lord will take your master away from you today? And he said, yes, I know, be still. And I think Pastor Wally in your version, doesn't it say like be quiet or something like that? It's just like, yeah, yeah, hush, say less, okay? Oh, you got the new American. I thought you had the whole man today. So he says, uh, yes, I know, be still. So in this prophetic environment, the school of the prophets, it's almost already known that Elijah is going to be uh, transitioning. Verse 4, Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Sons of the prophets who were at Jericho approached Elisha and said to him, do you not know that the Lord will take you away and your master from you today? And he answered, yes, I know, be still. And then Elijah said to him, now this is the third time. You know, this is important to know that three times is something very significant. Peter denied Jesus three times, but Jesus made him say, I love you three times. We see three patriarchs in the Bible. The number three is very important. And so this number three here is almost like a testing to Elisha. Like, go from me. And he says, I will not depart. I will never leave you. I will never go away. And Elijah said to him, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he said, as the Lord lives and as your, yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two went on. Now 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood opposite them at a distance, while the two of them stood by the Jordan. 50 is a powerful number as well. 50 symbolically in the Bible means the depositing of the Holy Spirit. So Pentecost you know, comes from the word of 50. It's a, a very strong number. So when we see the mantle falling and the mantle passing, it's a very much of an anointing and of the Holy Spirit. So 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood opposite to them. Two of them stood by at the Jordan. Elijah took his mantle and folded it together and struck the waters, and they were divided here and there so that the two of them crossed over dry ground. It's important that it says dry ground. If I hit water and it split, I'm going to expect that ground to be muddy because it had been water on top of it for thousands of years. But it says dry ground. And I think that's very important that the scriptures tell us that because where you walk on hard ground, there is no record of your footsteps. And I believe that God wants to transition us from places where we have been over to where we haven't been, but that there's no record to who we once were in the sense of our old man that has died and been resurrected now into the new man as we are in Christ. As he resurrected, so did we. In verse 9, when they had crossed over, Elisha said to Elisha, ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. And he said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Now, double portion. As Pentecostals, we love this one. Double blessing, double portion. Yes, Lord, we receive. Like, we love that. We want to be blessed and more blessed. But in actuality, this double portion did not necessarily mean double blessing. Even though Elisha did double the miracles that Elijah did. But what a double portion actually means is you're about to be taken up to heaven and your legacy could either stop or continue. So I want your legacy. I want a double anointing to carry on the legacy that you started, Elijah. So they're not necessarily asking for double blessing. They're actually asking for double work, double responsibility. And that's why he says this is a hard thing and only the Holy Spirit can really give it to you. Then he says, you got to keep an eye on me. That's important. Elisha always stayed near Elijah, who was the word of God at that time. He was the man of God. 
So the prophetic oracles and utterances that he shared was like the word of God at that time. That's like sticking your face in the Bible and staying there. He followed Elijah everywhere that he went, even to the bathroom. It's kind of weird if you ask me, (laughs) but he stayed near to that prophet at all times. Then in uh, verse 11, as they were going along and talking, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire, which is a symbol of God's protection and power, and horses of fire, which separated the two of them. And Elijah went up in a whirlwind to heaven, a rapture, one of only three that we see, Enoch, Elijah, and Jesus were raptured in the Bible. Verse 12, Elijah saw it and cried out, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw Elijah no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into pieces, which is incredible mourning. In verse 13, he also took up the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and returned and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Notice that he kept his eyes on Elijah, not on the fire. Elijah wasn't taken up in a chariot of fire. He was taken up in a whirlwind. So the distraction of fire and entertainment and this could have gotten his eyes off of Elijah and missed out on the blessing. Furthermore, the mantle fell, and if Elisha wasn't prepared to receive, he would have missed out. Are you really ready to receive what God wants to pour into your life? Are you ready for the calling he has placed upon your life? Are you ready to receive even the hard thing that the Lord calls you to do? Elisha was ready. And then finally, he took the mantle, verse 14. He took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and struck the waters and said, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Some scholars think that because he said this, it meant that he hit the water and nothing happened. <laughs> so that's why he, he cried out and he said, God, where, where are you? But he did it again. And it says here, and when he had struck the waters, they were divided here and there, and Elijah crossed over. Uh, there's so much um, significance and symbolism in comparison with Elijah and Moses. They did very, very similar things, including a miraculous thing of splitting the water. Now, again, when we see the water split, it's not just a cool thing. It's almost an Old Testament form of baptism, that you're going from one place and transitioning to a new. So whereas Elijah was once following Elijah, now he's splitting the waters for himself and transitioning now into the man of God and to the new prophet. He's stepping out in ridiculous faith to let God use him however he sees fit. And I believe we are called to do the exact same thing. We are called to have ridiculous faith. But let me encourage us that ridiculous faith is not a result of striving. Ridiculous faith is a result of surrender, greater surrender, greater surrender and to believe in that God, you can do all things. Nothing is impossible for God. I read this testimony, true story, of a lady who had been working at a company for 30 years. As the company began to expand, They said, well, we need more people like you on our team, so we're bringing in a young lady, and we need you to train her to do everything that you're doing. Says, okay, so she took the next month and started training this young lady and everything that she did in her department, and when she was fully trained up, the bosses ended up firing the lady who had been there for 30 years. It was a trick. They wanted her to teach everything to the new person because she was maxed out in salary, and they wanted to get the same product from a person, but with an entry-level salary. So they stabbed her in the back, and she was without a job. Can you imagine doing the same thing for 30 years, probably wanting retirement, but now you have no job and no benefits, and you're stuck? God, what what am I going to do? So in this time, she's applying everywhere, and it seems like there is competition everywhere. I mean, we can imagine. 
you know, trying to get a, a, a job at that level and so many people applying for it. I mean, when I applied to be a pastor in multiple places around the country before Southgate, I was always one of three or 400 applicants. I'm not kidding. It, it would take six months just to get to a first interview. So this lady, she's dealing with something very similar, and it's in New York City. She's on her way to an interview. She gets into a cab, and the cab driver is one of those extroverted people that like to chat. Whether or not you like to chat or not, there's going to be a conversation. So Mr. Chatty is just going to town, yak, 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 where are you from, what are you doing? And she tells the story of what had happened to her, and she's on her way uh, to interview, and he says, you know what, I bet you're going to do great. I bet you're going to nail it. You're going to get this job. I'm believing for you. So she gets out of the cab. She goes and interviews. Interview went just fine. Now the, the boss who was hiring has dwindled down to five applicants that she feels these are probably the people I want to hire. And one of those applicants was this lady. So this boss takes all five of those uh, uh, resumes, and she's headed home and still can't decide which one she wants. She gets into a cab in New York City. Do you know how many cabs are in New York City? Do you know the probability that this boss got the same exact driver that the lady who had been fired after 30 years got? The same exact driver. So this Mr. Chatty strikes up another conversation, sees his boss going through these papers and, and says, are, are you okay? I said, oh, oh, yeah, I just, I got really good applicants and I'm trying to hire this position. I have no idea what to do. And he goes, um, so-and-so doesn't happen to be in that pile. She goes, yeah, actually she is. How did you know that? Well, she was in my cab a couple hours ago. Let me tell you about her. And for the next 30 minutes, he's telling the story of, of this lady and what she's been through. And that boss made the decision to hire that lady because of that cab driver. Out of all the cabs in New York City, won't God do it? We have to remember to relax and to surrender and to believe and have faith that God knows what he's doing. He has a plan for our lives. Nothing is a surprise to him. Though you may deal with sadness and pain in your life, keep your faith alive that God can make anything happen. God can turn anything around. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, we all know that we're not to lean on our own understanding but to trust God in everything. He'll make our path straight if we simply follow him. I heard one preacher say that when we are striving, God is resting. But when we learn how to rest in faith, he begins working. And I love the song that we sang that you work, you never stop working. You're always working. I believe that. He doesn't slumber. He doesn't sleep. He's a God who is always working. But are we always receiving? Are we in a place where we can surrender and hear exactly what he is, what he's trying to pour out to us? Are we positioned for that? Because again, I believe greater faith comes from greater surrender, not greater effort. The other aspect of Elijah, not only was he one who could, who could really surrender and follow the will of the man of God, Elijah, and stay near him and stay close to the word of God, but he also was a servant. He was an incredible servant. Elijah stayed close to him the word of God, but he refused to leave him and continue to serve him. And Elisha did twice the miracles that Elijah did, but be reminded that before there was a supernatural, there was service. Before I ever preached a sermon, I scrubbed church toilets. And they're not holy, let me tell you. They're still bathrooms, okay? I was the church janitor before I ever became a preacher. If you can't scrub a toilet, how could you ever be before a pulpit? We want the 
We want the fame. We want to stand on the platform. We want a voice. We want an opinion. We want to preach. But are you also willing to serve? I mean, Jesus, we, we heard this on Wednesday. I forgot which one of us said this. But on, on Wednesday, our midweek, somebody said, it's so amazing that Jesus knew Judas would betray him. And he still washed his feet. Are we willing to serve? If you want greater faith, are you willing to serve? Are you willing to be stretched? Are you willing to allow God to just pour out and allow yourself to be used by him, even when it's uncomfortable or it doesn't make sense, even if it's outside of your norm or what you're not used to doing, will you let him use you? And again, the double portion doesn't mean a double blessing necessarily, but it could mean double work and double responsibility. To possess ridiculous faith, we need to say yes, even when we are scared. And I want to just take a a few minutes as we close here uh, to just take some time before God to pray into that. So I'm going to have uh, Becca come on up, and we're going to end. There's a song that we sang a couple weeks ago that really blessed my heart, and I asked that they would uh, sing it again. And in a moment, I'm going to call us forward here if if the Lord is leading to you. But uh, let me uh, conclude with this. We're a church that believes in the supernatural. Amen? We're a church that God can heal today. Amen? So I'm going to share a story it's going to be a little hard to believe. So I want you to take your physical mind away and put your spiritual mind on because it's going to take some faith to believe this. There was a preacher who was at an event and he stood on the stage and as he's ministering to the people, he felt in his heart that there was a lady at the altar that he needed to declare over her that the Lord wants to bless you with the baby. Now, I don't know how many have been in my position standing up here and you hear a word from God and you know that you know you're supposed to share it, but it sounds crazy and you're scared like, what if I look dumb? What if this is way off? So he knows God is telling him to do this. He's like, ah, why God? Okay, I'll believe. I'll believe. I'll, I'll obey. So he looks at this lady and says, I believe the Lord wants to give you a baby. This lady screeches, screams, shouts out at the top of her lungs, no! So he's standing there like, well, that didn't go well. And she's bawling profusely, crying at the altar. And he's like, ooh, I hit something there. Maybe I was way off there. And and he continues to minister. And then the Lord tells him a second time and says, you need to declare over that lady that at this time next year, she will have a baby. Oh, all right. And uh, as prophets, we're not supposed to you know, foretell the future. We're not supposed to give specific dates like that. That's not what the gift of prophecy is. Prophecy is to build up the other person by communicating a word from God. He's like, oh, but he knew. He knew. So he looks to this woman again and says, I feel like the Lord is saying this time next year, you will have a child. She bolts and screams ridiculously loud out of the church and she's gone. So again, this prophet is is thinking, God, what did I do? But at least she's not here anymore, and I don't have to feel like I have to obey God. <laughs> and so uh, about eight months goes by, and he gets a phone call from this lady. And he sa- she says, do you remember me? And he goes, how could I forget? <laughs> and she's like, I'm about to give birth. And he goes, well, praise God. I'm so glad that I was on with that word. I thought I, I had offended you. And she goes, you don't understand. I didn't have a uterus. That's the hard part to believe. I had to have a hysterectomy, and I never had a child even though I asked God. So when you said that God wants to give you a baby, I said, I don't even have a uterus to have a baby. And then you said, by this time next year, I'm like, how is this, how is this supposed to happen? But what ended up happening is that in her hysterectomy, there was a mistake made, and there was a tiny part of the uterus that remained. 
So she, in fact, did become pregnant, and the uterus supernaturally began to grow at the same rate that that baby was growing. And she gave birth to a beautiful baby boy, healthy as all else. Now, again, today I am trying to encourage us to have supernatural, higher-than-normal, ridiculous faith. God can do it. And I know sometimes it doesn't make sense, and I know sometimes we pray for things and they don't come to pass, but God wants to move in our lives. And so today, I just want to take some time to pray. I want to take some time to give you an opportunity to come before the Lord. So we're going to sing this song, and we'll have uh, uh, some altar workers here. And Pastor Wally and Lanigale, would you be available as well? I'll be available here. And I just want you, if, if you need a touch in your body, come forward to be healed. If you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, come forward and receive. If you are believing for something ridiculous and you want to just join together, come and receive. If you just want to be here in the front and just saying, Father, just pour out onto me. Love on me here. I just want to create that opportunity. No condemnation if you stay in your seat, but let's worship. Mm -hmm.